Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to The Mentor, I'm Mark Boris. Lana Wilkinson, welcome to The Mentor. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Mark. So you're a stylist, well, one of your business is stylist. We'll yeah. talk about the other business in a moment. But yeah. one of your business is stylist and I've often wondered and I have dealt with stylists um, in my TV period of my life. Hopefully you're well taken care of I and was, you'll listen uh, to. Yeah, <laughs> I was. But uh, the, the stylist was made up of different people. So. Yeah. When you're doing TV, but you would know, but I, yeah. I just want to go through this, that, you know, I had someone who wanted to do my hair and I wouldn't let them touch my hair. Um, I, and they always wanted to make it neat. I just like to leave it the way it is. I don't even possess a comb. Um, <laughs> I used to have someone who want to put makeup on me and uh, uh, she was fantastic. She did all the shows for yeah. the whole 50 episodes, 55 episodes. And uh, um, But I didn't like to wear much makeup. But um, then I had someone who would try and dress me mm. and uh, – uh, I wouldn't let them do that um, because, you know, they used to bring clothes and suits and shirts and ties and all that sort of stuff and I just had a view where I, I was going to wear um, and I just wore those things myself. I just mm. didn't want to have a stylist. But what you've – I've seen you've done some pretty famous people. <laughs> what is it that a stylist actually brings to the table – when it comes to let's, it doesn't have to be TV, magazine, or whatever. What is it that you actually bring to the table? What are you doing for the individual? What are you trying to make them do or feel or look like? Well, I think I think in taking into account even your experience, for me personally, and I think one of the reasons I've you know I don't like using the word success all the time because I feel like it's like where are you going to go to from there. But one of the reasons I think I've had ongoing work and and had those moments is because it is about bringing out the best of the person, not changing the person. What does that mean though? Like that, that's a good well, point. That's what I want you to I tell I think me the about. thing that I find in an experience like that is the person hasn't listened to you. So one of the things I always try and do with anybody that I'm working with, whether it be that it's a well-known person and perhaps sometimes you're not dealing with the person directly, you might be dealing with a representative, and I'll ask them a series of questions like find out if it's a, a woman, for example, what do they like about themselves, what don't they like. And I think you've also got to do a little bit of homework. The great thing with uh, – you know, social media and Google is you can kind of do a bit of a stalk and get an idea of what a person's personal style is. And then it's about what you can bring to the table to enhance that. It might be a particular brand. It might be actually, you know what, this person 
seems to really feel themselves when they've got their their legs out or their arms are covered or whatever it might be. It sounds like it's a science, it's not, but it really is just about honing in on those things that you really like about yourself. And then the stylist's job is to extract that and then dress you accordingly. What about if you get someone difficult like me? Like I, I not so much these days, but I, I probably worse these days. I don't mm. know. I don't do television now really, but um, but in those days, I was really a difficult bastard. Like. Uh, were you a diva? <laughs> was no, I wasn't a diva. It was just difficult because I just, oh, fuck that. Like I don't really, don't put makeup on Don't touch my fucking hair. Don't tell me what to wear. I mean, I know how to wear a suit, um, you know, I know I know not to wear stripes and all that sort of stuff, you know, because it's stripes in front of lights. I know that, that just go talk to all the celebrities who was the show was called yeah. Celebrity Apprentice. So go yes. to all the celebrities. I don't yes. give a fuck. Leave me alone. Yeah. Um, so how do you deal with a difficult person like me? But I think you're not difficult when you know what you like and what you are, what you are, who you are and what you like. Like for me, that's not what I term as difficult. That's actually quite easy. Because that's really about well, what brands do you like, Mark? What are the things you want to wear? Do you know what? I'm going to bring some options in for you um, that, that I know you're going to like. Um, I think what it is is sometimes there can be fear in entrusting somebody else with your, you know, let's be honest, what you wear really is a way of showing how to, like who you are without having to speak. Like if you're not dressed in a way that makes you feel like yourself, particularly in a role like celebrity apprentice, you're, you're the big boss, you're the guy. So you don't want to have it that you're not looking like yourself. So I think it's more about just doing the homework, really. Like, but do you, but do you, that's that's sort of an interesting point you make. Um, you, one, yeah. one of the reasons I don't like doing it anymore is because of that. But the dressing up bit. Um, do you think that it, the whole thing is a performance, and then you as a stylist have to put that person in a frame of mind that they can do the performance? So I had to perform as. Yourself, you know, Donald. No, no, I'm yeah. not. I'm not that dude. Actually, yeah. <laughs> Donald Trump. Like, yes. uh, the, so when I got cast for the for the role, yes, um, they said to me, I'd never seen The Apprentice, never, never watched it, yeah. and uh, I knew who Donald Trump was. And they said to me, Oh well, here's a a, a DVD. Uh, go watch uh, an episode of the, the Apprentice in um, the United States. When I first started off, it wasn't a celebrity Apprentice, it was just an all Apprentice. Yes, and they gave me a DVD, and uh, I went and watched an episode of this. And they said, "Well, you know, it's a franchise; it's a global franchise in twenty five countries. These are things you got to say. You're fired. You got to point your finger. You got to dress a certain way. They got to when people talk to you, they got to call you Mister Boris, like they call Mister Trump, Donald, Mister Trump, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. There's a whole mm. process, yes. uh, as like there would be any franchise. Just like if you set up a Kentucky Fried Chicken franchise, mm. you've got to do everything the Kentucky Fried Chicken wants you to do. That's that's right. So I had to be so-called the boss. Mm. And it's, it's foreign for me to say you're fired. It's not a natural thing to say. It's not an Australian thing. No, I agree. 100%. You don't say you're fired. It's just no. not a, this is not a cool thing. I don't thing. think I've ever said that in my no, whole career. Me either. Even and when uh, I've really wanted to go, can you please like don't let the doors like hit you on the way out. We're done. Yeah, but I well, always, I don't know, you get more, I put a bit of milk in the coffee. I don't well, serve it up like. This day, Nage, if you said you're fired, you probably get, sued for something yeah. like or PTSD or something like that down the track. But, but so, but I, th- I knew that I had to present myself as a certain type of person. Mm. So, um, is that, do you in styling, let's say you're styling me, do mm. you have to go and do the research, not just what I feel good in, um, but because quite frankly, I'm for best in a t-shirt. Yes. Um, um, but do you go and do the research on what the character being played must be. And it doesn't matter if it's a singer or if it's a, you know, a musician or something, you know. I I think for me, and again, like you definitely do the research. There's no question there. 
but and maybe this is why particularly with celebrities I've had a lot of work is I'm I'm sort of there for them so my view in my experience has been when you're particularly in a, in a role like that you're going to perform at your best when you feel like yourself it's like when someone books me for a campaign and even if it, it's a regular client that I work with yes I've got a brief I've got to follow but it's also my job to be an advocate for the talent to be like you know what in order to get what you need and you want them to do what they're doing and not be like, I'm not going to wear this, I'm not going to do that. Make them feel the best by being themselves. Now, admittedly, on a show like The Apprentice, you probably weren't able to sit there in a boardroom and not and have a T-shirt on, right? Yeah, yeah. However, maybe we could come to the party a few times and go, well, maybe can he wear a really nice blazer with the T-shirt and have his pants on? Or pants can on. We, no, can, I definitely want my pants oh, on. Yeah, have your pants on. Definitely have your pants on. But, you know, or maybe it's like, can we not do a tie today? So there's a few episodes where you're feeling like yourself. It is a bit of a negotiation. I think a lot of the times as well when I think about my career and the moments that I've had is probably when you have had those transformative moments where you've, you know, I've sat down with a client who sort of said, oh, I want to be here or they've seen somebody they want to be like. And you're looking at them and it's like, well, we're not there yet, babe. But you can't say that. Yeah. It's more about, well, what are the steps that we've got to take? Here's the work that we've got to do. You've got to get the right people to help you as well. Like it's it's probably not unlike other people we've spoken to today in the beauty industry. It's really important who you, who the people you surround yourself with, not only from a skill set but also energy. You know, you spoke about before when you're on set and there's all these different people sort of in your face. Like you want to be able to perform at your best and who you keep around you is obviously really important as well to protect your energy, you know. So I think my role over the time has been to make sure that the person's performing at their best by, I guess, taking away a lot of the responsibility. Like I'll often say to people, particularly if they're going to be like photographed heavily or there's media, you know, you think about big red carpet events where there's video, there's people with phones, there's paps, there's, you know, photographers. It's almost like I'll worry about all the outcomes. You just worry about getting out there and feeling your best, do you know? And Is it a performance, do you find, I mean, do you find your yeah. talent, so to speak, the people you look after, yeah. are, they, are they performing? Sometimes I think they are. I think sometimes, you know, people come out as though they're quite confident and you see behind the scenes that they're not. But I think I think that's but, all of us, though. But but just can I when I say performance, I don't mean. Do you mean if someone's like being a, a character in something? Yeah, they they, yeah. they walk out as a character, which is what I did. I mean, yeah. I was walking out as a particular character. I mean, I had to yeah. walk out as the guy who was in charge of the show, who you know fired people, whatever hired people. Yeah. Um, I had to sort of be above everybody yeah. in some respects, um, and I found it. Um, I found it exhausting, but yeah. I found it. I was performing the whole time, and I was performing to a prescription. Yeah. Um, these days, um, you know, with Instagram and all the social yeah. mediums, there is we're not as prescribed. I would I don't agree. Think. I mean, it's there are you can just sort of get away with anything today, pretty yeah. much. And authenticity is really important. Very important. Performance becomes. You know, maybe I don't trust you because I think you're performing. Yeah. Therefore, yeah. what I think to myself, and this is a really weird thing. I think mm. okay. Well, if I'm if they think I'm performing, then I've got to perform in a way that they don't think I'm performing. Yeah, and uh, therefore I'll wear something that makes me look like I'm authentic. Yeah. Now I hope I am authentic, but like I go out of my way to look authentic. Yeah. And I wonder whether you know all these very social mediums today. Yes. If you're a stylist, do you have to sort of really do the analysis and? become like a sort of a semi-psychologist around what are audiences thinking and what yeah. are they expecting, what do they react to best and what do I, they fucking I think, hate? I think it's funny you say that because, I, I mean, I would never, I've got no qualifications in therapy, as you know, but I would say 
there's definitely a role of a coach in a lot of ways where it's like pumping people up, like making people feel confident within themselves. And I think maybe the reason, and again, I know um, if we go back to the experience you've had versus probably the way I would like to think my clients would speak about me is I really don't think it's healthy for anybody to be something that they're not. You can make some, you can dress somebody up in something that they wouldn't normally wear, but you can't make somebody be something that they're not. Because it's just particularly, as you mentioned, with social media, with, you know, people also too, the ones that rise, right, we're quick to want to push them down. So In Australia, if, we are. Yeah, definitely, 100%. So if you're not authentic, it, it's, it's you, you get found out. So for me personally, I don't, I, my sort of research and when I'm doing things or when I'm working with somebody or if we're having those moments to kind of go, you can own this, you look great, um, is, is by, I guess, as I mentioned earlier, like just doing that homework with them personally so that you can elevate them in the best way so it is authentic. Like I guess for me I don't get, I learned very on early in my career, really early actually, and I remember there was a girl, she was on a TV show, she was going to the Logies, and she was like, I, 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 want, I want to wear something that makes me feel like this. And early on in your career, you're learning different things. You're trying to push your own agenda really. Oh, I want to do a look like this. And right beforehand, she had this moment of like, oh, I don't really know that this is my vibe. And the thing was, is she was somebody who was quite simplistic. She wanted to just walk out in like, she would have been happy in just a bead, like a plain strapless gown. Could have been from anywhere. She didn't need the bells and whistles. So I learned very early on you have to address a person's personality of what they can carry because you can't hide it in front of a camera. And one of the things I'll often say in a fitting before a red carpet or the spring racing or whatever it might be is for me the job's not, the person's not at their best when they're at the, on the red carpet, hair and makeup's done. I mean we're all good when we've got a team of people. But if you're standing there in front of a mirror, not unlike if you go into a shop and you're trying to pair a jeans, you know when you got bathers on or I, I like in bathers and jean shopping as the worst – and you're there and you're in front of the mirror and there's, it's just you and you're like, geez, I look all right. That's when the moment happens for me when I'm dressing people. When their hair and makeup's not done, they're standing there in the rawest form and they're like, I have that moment in the mirror where it's like, I look good. Because after that, when you are done, there's no way you, you're untouchable because you're feeling yourself. Like that's probably the bit when you talk about being like a bit of a coach or sort of talking people up and making them feel their best that happens by, I guess, tailoring them things to them. That's what's always worked for me. So what comes first, image or brand? So you're in the image business. That's a good question. You're in the image business, I I, I guess. You're in the image business. Yes, yes. Now I get to be both actually. (laughs) And uh, so when you have to style a person, like Mm. give any names, who's someone famous you've styled? Oh, you're going to make me name drop. Um, Megan Gale. That'll do. Uh, yeah, she's Anyone else? Oh, yeah, uh, Rachel Zoe, which is yeah. here, just that, that girl overseas. Um, who else? Um, I've done Heston Bloomfall. He's a yeah. man. Um, what, who else? Uh, Elise Knowles, Rachel Finch, Natalie Batsingway. There's some good names. There's so, some good ones. Rebecca Jard. Yeah, there's so, a few. So, okay, so when, you, <laughs> when you're when – you're, take Megan Gale, for example. I yes. haven't seen Megan Gale for a long time, but um, would you – look at her, if you had to style her, mm. would you look at her and think to yourself, what is the image that Megan Gale is trying to promote? Or would you sit down and ask Megan Gale, what is the image you're trying to promote? That, the, right. the latter, for right. sure. Brand comes first, right. 
because I think as is well it her, too, but is it her image? It's though? her image and yeah. her brand, hundred percent. Like I think of a lot of the clients I've had the privilege of working with, they've also got alignments with different things, right? Like it might be that somebody's you know got a brand that's about family, well, or or children, for example. So you're probably not going to send them out, you know, in not much. Like that's yeah, not yeah, going to yeah. work out. Um, so for me, it's definitely the latter. Like, what what do you want to achieve? What are we trying to aim for? And it might be as well they'll be bringing out like a product, for example. So whatever we're doing has got to align to whatever the message is with that brand. And maybe that's always been my approach, which might sound a bit strange, like being a stylist, you go, really, you think that deep? But my background was all marketing. So I come from a corporate marketing background. So for me, I always was like, what are we, What the, the who, what, when, why, you know? So what are we trying to achieve? Where do we want to go? You know, like there was... You know, I think about all the different things and the like some people have families and things like that. So it's like what are the things we're trying to achieve and how are we best going to get there? So when you, if, you, if you're looking at someone who's promoting them, or their image, mm. you think their image after you've, you've done your inquiry, yes. their image is about I want to be seen as a, a family-friendly person. Yes. Okay, for example. Yes. Does that mean you then have to go make value judgments about what family-friendly means? Um, oh, what, probably, what, how do you research it's that probably shit? Not, it's, it's probably not as deep as that. It's probably more a case of, you know. But you stereotype then? Well, not really because, again, I think sometimes you, you can't dress somebody in something that's not them because they can't carry it. Yeah. You know what I mean? But do you I say think, I'll put you in a mumsy outfit? Like, oh, no, I, I think sometimes too. I don't think – I think it's more like what's going to empower you. Yeah, like someone like, um, you know, if we use Megan, I'm sure she won't mind us referring it to her this often, but like Megan's like – a force like she comes into a room and you see her before she even speaks yes because of her height but also she carries herself in such a way that she's got sparkle you know so you put her in a you, you could put her in a beautiful dress and people turn heads but you could just as easily pop her in a power suit you're fucking dip rubbish over it. yeah yeah but like but 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 but, but, <laughs> but, 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 but what do you think for example what would her image be she's probably gone through different phases yeah that's right i think it's different phases over different times yeah um, but pick but one I, phase i, I think i think just like a, a powerful woman yeah a kind okay. powerful woman okay so yeah. I, I, I like that i, I get yeah. that a kind powerful woman um yeah. you know, self-confident etc yes then your judgment that's not a judgment. You, you that's something. That's you're, something we've derived. Like, oh, we've derived yep, from yep. talking to her. Yep. yep. But then you've got to make a judgment. So yeah. how do you make that judgment? But based on yeah. what? Is, is 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 it based on research? Or I think it's based on or? trends. I think it's based on also just conversing with the client and making sure that they're that they would feel comfortable. And obviously, too, with anyone I'm working with, I always you always bring like a plethora of options. You do a fitting, and you you try and find brands that align with their brand. You know what I mean? So. Like, for example, if I, if I take, if I was to, I mean, I'm saying dress myself, but I, I know, okay, I've got a shoe brand. I, I like tailored clothing. There are times when I've got to be like boss, boss girl, cause I've got a team. And then there's other times where it's like, I've got to be the fashion girl. So what does that look like? But I think that's the thing about fashion is it doesn't have to take on just one or two forms. You know, it really can be a way of expressing how you feel, what you're doing, where you're at. And I think that was the thing, If you know, without sort of being too morbid and talking about the pandemic, I feel like fashion became so important because, and again, I know I don't want to talk about the Melbourne situation, but we were basically inactive every day. There were so many women I was speaking to that were like, 
I've lost. I don't know what to wear. I don't 100%, know who I, I am. Feel, I was the same. I don't I was know. Not active, exactly. No, but you're like, I don't know what the latest things are. And I think that's the stuff that from a styling perspective, you can bring that kind of expertise where it's not about you have to wear this because that's what's going to look good on you. It should never be that. Like fashion should be a way of expression. And for me, it's like we could sort of go, okay, if, if someone wants to be powerful, what does that look like? But there are, it, it, there are people that can wear, like I, I mean, I'm sitting here today with a, a suit on because I was like, well, we're talking about business and I'm going to be the business partner. But if you troll through Instagram, I've got a mini dress on a few weeks ago. So that's okay too, but that's that's the fun of it. Well, you might be at the races and you're wearing a mini shirt. That's yeah. right. That's right. So I feel like I can show different phases and be in, in different, you know, environments as well. Like I think fashion should be fun. It shouldn't be so scripted. So that's interesting you just, you just touched on fashion yeah. yes. versus style. Yes. They're different things. They are. Um, I have a good friend. Um, he wouldn't mind me naming. His name is George Bloomfield and his wife, Shirley Bloomfield, yes. Shirley Boone. Shirley represents a lot of the big brands, probably for an older demographic yeah, yeah. in Double Bay. Yes. And George was in the fashion industry for a long time. He, he was born into it. His family owned, you know, one of the biggest retail stores in the country at one mm. stage. And um, George said to me once, style is all about classics and has nothing to do with fashion. Agree. So you got style. Yep. Or a style, your style, my style, mm-hmm. um, um, Megan Gale style, <laughs> um, you know, Donald Trump style. And yeah. then you've got fashion, which is more what's on, what's yes. what's new, yes. what 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 is current, yes. what is relevant. Yes. Right. Yes. So they're, they're quite different things. Do you do both as I a stylist? I think so, definitely. The, the personal style definitely comes into it first for me. And then the fashion is the injection. And, you know, and I think those are the things that when people get overwhelmed with, I don't know what to wear. It's like, what do you love? What do you like? You know, and I think if, if there aren't people that if you're choosing to work with a stylist, for example, and they're not doing that for you, you need another one, you right. know. It really needs to be that it's, it's, it hones in on what you, you like and the styles that you like because that's your personal style. You can't buy that, you know, that's who you are. And the fashion can, is is absolutely relevant, but I can't wear all of the current trends that are out now. Not because I don't like them. A, I might be where I look and I go, oh, I was around when that came through the first time, so I won't do it again. Especially miniskirts. That was yeah. twiggy. I think, don't think you're that old. Well, my, my, my legs is all I got, Mark. Yeah. I train. <laughs> the legs is what I've got. You know, I've got two gorgeous girls, but the legs is what I'm confident with. Um, but, yeah, I think I think that the two can coexist and I think – that's that's the thing where the business of fashion is so interesting, right? Because, and that's why I think the trends that we saw, you know, in the 80s and 90s are now coming back and they're relevant because they've got their place, you know? Like I feel like women are going through this process at the moment of, you know, there's a whole girl boss thing happening and so the, the power shoulders are back and shoulder pads and oh, things no. like that, you know? I've got a couple in now. <laughs> I'm just noticing it. I know, right? But I feel like it's that those are the things that kind of also talk to what's going on in society at the time. Yeah. You know, and I think there's not there's not a science to it. There's not a – but I do think it always comes down to how you feel about yourself. And, you know, and I think for me as a business with the clients that I've been able to work with and do, it's like each person has taught me something. Each person has made me value what we're doing as a business, you know. Like one of the reasons I started my shoe brand was I was like I, I feel like – there's all of these options that are either really sort of, you know, more affordable, really sort of, you know, I don't want to use the word cheap, but like 
then you've got this really, really expensive stuff. What's What about the stuff in the middle that kind of caters to that? And for me, I just wanted to create something that made women or men, doesn't matter who wears the shoes, but like feel tall, walk tall, put their best foot forward because so often we we kind of check ourselves and go, oh, I don't know, am I okay? Do I look all right? And that's what social media has done too, I think. Social media has been great for fashion and has been great for branding and images and all the things we're talking about. But it's also probably created a lot of self-doubt because, you you know, it's like a highlight reel, right? We only show the best yeah. of that on social media. Like we don't, it's like even when you talked about your experience with television as a, as a viewer of your show and I watched it, I thought you were great. But, you know, I didn't, I didn't know any of that behind the scenes. I just saw this confident guy sitting at the, at the table firing people, well, you know. We'll go to the brain when I come straight back and I'll talk. I'll quickly tell you about that so-called confident guy. Yeah. And, um, and, but I also want to talk about through social media, mm-hmm. um, is there this um, clash between what has been considered traditionally fa- classics and stylish and, and or fashionable? Mm-hmm. In other words, fashions go through cycles, but they yes. keep coming back. Um, is there a clash between those two events and what people on social media, particularly younger people mm. now, are just saying, fuck that stuff. I'm not interested in, uh, you know, this particular brand or that particular brand mm. because it's not affordable. I'll never be able to get to it. Mm. And uh, therefore I'm just going to have my own thing. I'm just going to dress my own way and I'm going to wear my own t- style of makeup. Yeah. yeah I want to talk about that when we come back from the break. from the break and or you just raised something about um the confident guy wearing the suit that's and that's that's performance from my point of view mm-hmm. um when i very very i'd never done tv before in my life I, I had no idea what i was doing um in fact i had didn't even do a rehearsal um i did a one audition which lasted for about an hour and a half mm-hmm. um and they had actors there pretending to be a, uh, some people people want to be apprentices and they had a camera sitting right behind me i did it in my office and uh I didn't care whether I got the job and I wasn't really even interested. I just had nothing to do with it. That's probably time. why you got it. <laughs> I, I just got the job. But um, And then when I first went on there, I literally had not had, not had one rehearsal, not one mm. rehearsal. I'd seen a couple of episodes of Donald Trump and I was presented with all these um, contestants um, and uh, and I was dressed up a certain way. So I looked like I was confident, but to be frank with you, um, probably I wasn't. I wasn't mm. confident at, at performing because I'd never mm. done this before. So I'm glad I actually pulled it off. But... To be frank with you, the style of clothing that we chose helped convey that image to you and yes. that tone to you. Yes. Um, and uh, it's sort of an interesting outcome to hear someone who's a stylist to tell me that um, mm. because uh, that 100% was not who who you saw in the early episodes. I mean, yes. as it got on, I got to understand how the show worked and what a, a cameraman did and what a, yes. a sound guy did. I mean, I, and what an executive producer did and someone had a bug, you know, what it had to do with the person with the bug in me who was talking to me while I'm trying to talk to the contestants. Yeah. <laughs> when I got that all worked out, then I sort of did become much more confident. But but to start off with, it was just the image that made mm. you think that. Yes. Um, and I think that's... That's, that's quite an interesting um, observation to hear from someone who is in the styling industry. Mm. If I look at today, there was mm. no social media in those days, but if yeah. I look at today, um, I wonder whether or not there are people out there who probably in their 
between 20 and 30 in that territory mm-hmm. or you know, slightly above and below, um, who sort of rebel against what is considered to be fashion and or considered to be what is classic and stylish, mm-hmm. largely because it's in, those things may appear to be the to them to be inaccessible. Yeah. Therefore, is there a disconnect between the person you're styling and the, the audience or some audiences? Do you find that? Um, I, I do think that, especially at the moment, people don't necessarily like everything so curated and looking so perfect. Yeah. They like things looking really authentic. So I don't really... Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot... We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Fine now. I don't, I don't think there is a huge disconnect. Because if, particularly in a television program, for example, like you can watch something, but then if you turn to somebody's social media, you see who they are. You can't, you can't perform all the time on every medium. You know what I mean? Well, like, I was going to ask you, should they, should people? No, no way. No. So should you remain consistent in the way you look? But I, I, I think, I think people are though now, Mark. I do, like, I don't think anyone, say, for example, who's on the current season of Celebrity Apprentice, like when I look at their Instagram account, they look the way they look on the show. Do I think some of their behaviours? Sure. But that's entertainment. That's, that's people. But I think the audience now is so much more educated on, you know, oh, that's been edited, that's, that, that person's the villain, that person's the, because it's all so open because we are sharing all those things. So I do think being who you are should just be. Don't you think? Yeah, well, I don't know. I, 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 just, I actually think that there's a, a movement against this sort of program and then, mm. then you as a stylist might have to start to cater to thinking about how do I re- get my my client, your client, yeah, yeah. Um, relate better to their audience, yeah. the, the broader audience. Yeah. And uh, how do I do that? And therefore, should they be getting styled all the time? It's yeah. like say, okay, we're going to style you for downtime. We're going to style mm. you for when you go to the – to the races, we're, yeah. we're going to dress you like Twiggy. We're going to style you um, for when you're on the sh- on your on the catwalk, or when you're going up the red carpet, yeah. or you're on the TV show, Sir Alan Sugar. Yeah. Um, I wonder whether people then need to be styled all the time to have the various layers um, yeah. about their life and their personality become more appealing to their audience. Because at the end of the day, the, the, a lot of the reasons why people are on Instagram is to talk to their audience. That's right. And their audience are the people who pay for the or are the, the um, people who watch their shows yeah. for which they get paid. Yeah. So I, I mean, I'm often thinking to myself, I don't want to do something too, too weird on my Instagram, although I do, <laughs> um, because – it might appear to be inconsistent with what people's expectations of me yeah. are. And it's quite yeah. complex. But 
That's what I meant, right? So see how it's we all, we automatically check ourselves to go, oh, hang on, what, what, is this consistent with my brand, mm. right? And I That's think, what I want to ask you. Yeah, about. yeah. And so I, I definitely, I think now though I'm finding even, you know, with myself, like when we talk about sort of styling and being styled for every single event, I don't know, like at the peak of my, like where I was just mental crazy, like there was so many people I was taking on and I was dressing I don't think it is like that right now, to be honest. Um, and that's probably why for me having the two hats, having, a, you know, the the shoe business and that brand and then the styling is more like an add-on, whereas the styling when I started was the full-on because I do think it's changed a lot. So it has evolved. Oh, definitely. So where do you see it? Okay, that, that's yeah. what I'm sort of trying to yeah. get to. Maybe it's not a revolt, but there's an ev- evolution. So I, uh, exactly. if you go back 10 years, where's it evolved to today? Put it this way. What, maybe five, six years ago? my Instagram was just flooded with images of other people. So this is this outfit, this is this is this shoe, this is this bag, this is this fitting. Now it's more like the process. So show me what's going on. Oh, you, you, you're in your office, tell us what you're doing. Oh, you're with your kids, show us what you're doing. It's just a little bit more real time now. Yeah. And don't get me wrong, I think when you have those big events and things, people are still really interested, especially when media are talking about them. You know, I think I did a whole run where I put some commentary up about um, Kim, uh, sorry, Courtney Kardashian's wedding because it had some fashion stuff and people love that because it's just profile and it's big. But I think the days of just pumping your Instagram with that now, people just don't want it. Like I think it's like it's nice in bites. Um, you know, I, I think now even when I post things that are about myself and my business and my family or something I'm doing will have way more cut through than just, He's a bag, he's a dress, he's shoes. Like I think it, things are very different now and I think inspiration is coming from all places, right? So it's like you don't necessarily need to employ a stylist anymore to get fashion advice or get trends or you want to work with someone or listen to someone that you trust. It's a bit like when you went to the big talk yesterday and you spoke, those people know that you know what you're talking about so they're happy to pay. But I think would they pay you every day? I'm not sure. They might take your advice and then listen to your podcast. Like there are so many different mediums where you can get inspiration and advice that it has changed the way that we interact with people. It has changed the profession as well, which for me, I think I'd done it so much that I went to around sort of 2018, I was like, I need a new challenge. And so that's why I was like, I still want to work in fashion. I still want to be able to style, which I can do because it's I can do my own campaigns and I can still dress people when I want to, but I could see and forecast that it was going to look very different. Now, nobody could have predicted, actually, we're going to shut down the world (laughs) for a while and there's no events, so you haven't got anything. Couldn't have predicted that. But I think for me personally, I was like I was ready to evolve to do. And what did you evolve to then? Well, I um, founded my own uh, shoe label, Um, Lana Wilkinson was what I called it. Don't ask me. Ask me in a couple of years if I've done the right thing, calling it after my name. But I knew that my name was associated with probably producing, you know, good fashion work or had a a name in the industry that was sort of known for, I guess, things, you know, looking good and, you know, putting out brands that I believed in. And I thought, well, who better to, you know, put yourself on the line than do that. And so I, I remember I just was talking to my manager at the time and she was like, what do you want to do? Because I was sort of expressing exactly what I'd said to you. Well, manager, you had a... I, yeah, like a, a, a talent manager, a talent I guess. Manager. So somebody yeah, yep, that yep. would, you know, not unlike yourself, become an expert in your field when you have done as we've done for, you know, certain areas for so long. 
And then I was, you know, from one thing led to another where, yes, I was styling people, but, you know, you'd stand on sets for a while or you'd be out, you know, behind the scenes at a red carpet and they'd be like, oh, Lana, can we just get you to commentate on this? Or, hey, Lana, can you give us some advice on this? Alana, we've noticed that, you know, a lot of other stylists, we, that we don't know who they are, but you seem to be able to market yourself very well. Um, tell us a little bit here and there. So I was sort of getting these jobs where people were asking me for my opinions or can you host this lunch? Can you host this event for us? So that was when I guess having a manager seemed like the right sort of. It's funny, you know, like uh, I, I keep thinking of um, the movie, uh, the, the TV series, um, with Sarah Jessica Parker and every time I, look at, I keep looking, like, yeah. you, you remind me of Sarah Jessica Parker. I've had her and before. The, I'll the take you that. Look. She looks and, good now. <laughs> I'll take that. She's well, you're both looking good. Don't uh, worry about that. Thank you. And uh, uh, But, of course, um, they had those, what were they, Mahalo? Mahalo. Uh, Manolo Blank. Manolo Blank shoes. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and she turned it into like a big brand. Yeah. Well, the show did it at least. Um, where did you place your shoe brand in sort of the hierarchy of pricing and, uh, you know, accessibility and affordability and all that sort of yeah. stuff? Yeah, well, that's a really good question. For me, I think I had seen an opportunity. I had done, remember I talked about that big crazy period I had where I was dressing all these people. One of the things that I found there was a gap in the market for was comfortable but also affordable shoes. So I, just to give context, like I would be, say, between August and December, you have things like, you know, there's a lot of red carpets around sporting events. There's like the Dally M's in Sydney, the Brownlow Medal, Spring Racing Carnival, the Logies, the Arias, et cetera. So when you're doing volumes of talent, as I was at that time, sometimes the free option wasn't the best option. So I would actually because I didn't want to ever compromise my clients' looks. And obviously when you've got certain levels of talent, there was certain levels of expectations of what brands they could work with. And so I often found the free option wasn't the best option. So I would buy shoes and I'd be like, because they're the best shoes. And sometimes you wouldn't necessarily get to pick the outfits. It might be that that person's working for Maya and that dress is in the Maya buy and you have to use it. So I'd be like, all right, I've got to find some glitter to roll this in. And that year... I realised I'd spent $8,000 on designer shoes. It's a lot of money. And I thought, why isn't there like just a cool classic piece for even if someone was to get married for bridesmaids? You know when you get married and there's you know, there's dresses and bridesmaids and all this sort of stuff and you're looking for things, there was no way you could get those things without spending over $1,000. That was what I found in my career. So I was like, I feel like there's a gap here and there's something I could do with it. And then... When I was having that particular chat with my manager at that point, she was like, well, why aren't you doing it? Because I'd said this express I'd always wanted a shoe brand. And she said, well, why aren't you doing it? So the next thing you know, I went to a Christmas party and there was a girl there who um, was working for a very well-known uh, retailer who had been across the footwear business for quite some time, who so just happened to be friends with my manager at the time. And we were up at Ravisi's here in Sydney and I thought I was up there for a Christmas party and this girl was in front of me and basically said, hi, you can so do this and I can help you do it. Um, this, is, this is what you need to know because I had never, like I wouldn't know the first thing about manufacturing. I've worked with a number of brands. I knew I could market the brand. My experience had been in retail prior to being a stylist. I'd worked at Westfield and Foxtel and Stockland. So I knew the back-end stuff, but as far as producing something, I had no idea. Um, I knew I wanted to do it on my own though. I knew I didn't want a business partner or an investor because I probably had that moment of, you know, 
what if I fail? And at least then I'm only taking myself and my husband down with me. <laughs> um, and then following on from that conversation, within three weeks, I'd had a meeting with a manufacturer and I just pushed go. And I, you know, it was the best of times and the worst of times because I had no idea what I was doing. I remember getting all these samples made and thinking, I want all of them. And they said, oh, that'll be 300,000 just to do that. <laughs> I was like, mm, maybe we'll pick 15 <laughs> instead. So just those things that you go on that journey. And then it was probably a work in progress for about a year. Um, I didn't tell any of my clients and I didn't really tell anyone I was doing it except my immediate team. Uh, Hayley Roach, who is now the GM of um, Lana Wilkinson as a brand, uh, had started with me interning as a stylist um, and she's now been with me for five years. And But we worked on that together just in the background. And then I remember we were coming up to a spring carnival and the shoes were going to be ready and I decided to launch it. I was going to throw this, you know, big launch party for every bit of money that I had at it call in every person I'd ever worked with <laughs> and tell them that I was doing this. And that was in October of 2019. And when we launched, we were selling uh, like two pairs of shoes a minute. A minute? A minute. Online? Online. Online. Wow. So it was a good day. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think, and I think it was also just leveraging all the work I'd done over the last, you know, because yeah, I've been you, in the industry. Totally. I was, but it was. It but was, what was it right? What was right about the product, though? I think the product filled a, a gap in the sense that it was. It's with a glam brand, you know. Like I think when I look at who, who I am as a stylist, a lot of the clients that would come to me not necessarily because they had a casual outfit they needed to walk down in the street with. It was more an occasion, you know. I was known for if I, you know, if I had to talk about what personally I think my sweet spot is with with styling, it would be red carpet. It would be major events like weddings or, you know. Uh, spring racing carnival, like when you get to be fully glam, you know, so your high heels, your occasional wear. But not, but not, we're not talking the, the Sex in the Cities type prices. Ac- no, absolutely. But the style, right. definitely the style, not the price. Well, how do you, it's a bit like, yeah, but I, I've often wanted to know, like, how do you convince the the wearer, mm. the, the buyer, yeah, that the, this is the style, a good style? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've copied what is essentially considered to be a good style, but yes. you're not paying the same price. Yeah. Because I would have thought a lot of people think it's really cool because you're wearing something really expensive. Yeah, yeah. And how do you you convince them this is quite good quality? Well, I think the first thing too is like, I mean, it's interesting because obviously there are so many brands that do just literally replicate other brands. In my experience, that has not ever been something, even when I was styling, that you can hang your hat on. So I definitely don't, like we, obviously like my inspiration, if I look at things, comes from way back. Like I tend to look at like, 90s and like old like shots of Cindy Crawford and I'm looking at her feet and my husband's like what are you doing I said I'm just looking to see like what the style is so I tend to go back through archives to kind of derive designs and then we workshop on different lasts what works for us as far as the price point goes I think I'm not going to lie to you Mark and originally I was like where am I going to manufacture these what am I going to do and it became very apparent sort of you know the more luxurious you go the price has got to then match it in order for you to make margin so for me, it was always like I wanted to make something that was a quality shoe and, you know, I do spend a bit more in terms of how it's constructed to ensure that it is comfortable for people to wear and we're lucky that that's the feedback that we get back from our customers, which is great. But as far as, I guess, convincing them, 
I think it really comes down to authenticity. We've spoken about that a lot since we started chatting. I think I've always only ever put my name behind something that I believe in. Um, I think obviously too then acquiring new customers then becomes about all the corks in the wheel, right? So how are you marketing it? What's the look and feel? Whose hands is it going to be in? And I think for me, I've always tried to make sure that when we're working through those things that they're authentic so that you're never kind of BSing the customer, you know. Who are your customers now? So are we talking about Australians or anyone from um, any, so overseas? So we, we're very fortunate at the moment. Um, we've got a good Australia, big Australian audience, obviously, particularly in Melbourne and New South Wales, just because I probably have more of a presence in, in those those states as well. Um, and then the second biggest would be the US. So, um, you know, and obviously that that's definitely in the pipe and the goal for the future. Um, we've had a little bit of downtime with COVID, so... But um, that that's definitely where I'd like to take. Are the people are rewarding themselves after COVID, so or during COVID, they say, "Yeah, I'm going to buy myself a really kick-ass pair of shoes, and well, I'm going to buy some Lana Wilkinson shoes." Well, we were really lucky. When I say lucky, a lot of work was done. It was quite deliberate. But I think when the pandemic hit, I remember we had had a whole heap of stock that was stuck in customs because of COVID, and I remember thinking. You know, we we were doing like huge amount of sales every day. So it'd be like I'd come off a busy period. As I mentioned earlier, it was like October and so then you've got spring races and then it was Christmas and New Year's, everyone was out, they've got parties, they've got New Year's, all that sort of stuff. So then there was that period of kind of like it was quite humbling as well to sort of be like, all right, we're going to sit on stock and wait because everyone was in lockdown. And I was like, how are we going to promote wearing, going out, wearing, you know, footwear, when there's nowhere to go. And then there was an opening in Melbourne for three weeks and the stock had arrived. We'd sat on it. We'd done some gifting and, you know, obviously to influencers and things like that. But I remember just pushing the button and going, I can't sit on this. If we, we need to push it out, if, if it, if it doesn't, you know, if it goes bust, well, we've done everything we possibly could. The thing was, is it sold out? Like there were two styles that like sold out overnight and in shoes and footwear that just doesn't really happen just because of the volume that you need to order. So I think because footwear can kind of be transitional, right, it's not something that gets saturated. Like in particularly with women when they're on Instagram, if you see it's like this jacket I've got on, right, like it's recognisable. So if you see that all the time, you're waiting for the next thing to come whereas footwear it's not really like that. Like you can wear something in, in spring and then wear it in winter as well. So we were fortunate that we kind of thrived in that period. Um, so for, for me personally, the COVID experience was more stepping back and getting the business organised and structured in the right way, getting the processes in place because before that I was just running around styling people, designing the product. More transactional. Exactly. Whereas this enabled me just to kind the business. of – Exactly. There's a big difference between hundred you're getting paid a fee to do a transaction. Yeah. See you later. I'm gone. I've done that. I'm off to the next thing. Whereas this is a business, and That's as you've right. got, to, as you said, you got, because for a lot of people, COVID was a period where they did build, re, rebuild, or build systems, mm. um, refine their business, uh, refine their offering, refine the media. Exactly. Uh, you know, hire and fire people. Um, you know, reshape the whole business and, exactly. the, and the whole program. Um, I, and how's business going now? Like business, business now is is going. Great. Like it's gone from zero to a hundred. You know, we weren't um, wholesaling at all just because we found we when we launched, I had a couple of people. Um, however, when the pandemic hit, they struggled to be able to pay. And so we were like, we're an e-commerce, we can just sell it online. You know, we took care of it. So 
we were sort of a bit trepidous to sort of do that again. And because obviously you get more margin when you're, you, you're selling it yourself, but in also to scale and grow now, we need to get it in more people's hands. So we've um, now be wholesaling and we've actually um, this morning, there's a number of um, New South Wales and Queensland and, and Victorian retailers that will now be stocking us, which is really exciting. So I think it's just going into that next phase. And I think what we're also trying to do now is work out how we're going to be speaking to them. You know, like I feel like just putting up pictures now is not where it's at. I think people want to interact with the brand that you want to build a community within your customer base. And I think, um, you know, social media is now becoming, as we've mentioned, you know, quite interactive where it's about TikTok and Instagram and you still have your Facebook ads. And I think the digital strategy now is going to become more important than ever. Lana, do you have a question for me? I sure do. Um, how do you prevent burnout? Because I've found over the last couple of years, um, obviously the business is not even three, but it's probably taken more out of me than I ever Feels thought like it could. 10. Yes, like when we talk about styling, that was sort of ongoing. It was always so busy, whereas this I feel like I've deep dived in every which way. How do you prevent that and have the enthusiasm to always just find the, the up and the motivation? Um. I, I think for me, I mean, I've I've had I've had suffered burnout. Um, I think a couple of things. Uh, the first thing is I I keep a very a consistent mindset. So what I mean by that is I manage my daily life in a very rigid way. So I don't give myself opportunities to veer off into any other place other than my environment, my work environment. Mm. So that starts off with routine yeah. and, and rigidity and repeat, rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat. That's that's really important. In that routine, though, there's a there's a big health regime. So I mean, I mean, I train, I exercise, no matter what. It doesn't matter whether it's heavy exercise or light exercise, mm-hmm. but I do something every day. Um, I'm really strict on my food, mm-hmm. so I try to give myself every opportunity to be healthy. But I probably would take it one step beyond that. I'm, I'm really aware of um, baselines of what my health looks like. So I know mm-hmm. to recognise burnout's a physical thing. Yeah. Um, um, and it's caused because you become low in something or become too high in cortisol, for example, yeah. like too much stress. Yes. So I'm, I've am i learned ways to build um, baselines as to how my body is. So mm-hmm. I get might get a blood test once every, sometimes every six months, sometimes less like shorter periods mm. and I've I've kept all my records of all the things that I get tested. Yeah, great. Everything. Things yeah. like inflammatory in my my body, inflammation uh, markers in my body, mm. cortisol in my body, vi- certain vitamin levels mm. in my body. Um uh, and there's a whole series of them and I get them and I get them regularly and I physically check things myself. I just don't hand over the doctor. I know what my baselines are. Yeah. I know any change in my baseline. I know when I'm feeling a certain way that probably I'm light on something, but I don't just go, oh, shit, I might need iron tablets. I don't do yeah, that. No. I go and get it checked Yeah, right. and I get my levels looked at mm-hmm. and then I work out what I need to do as a result of that. Mm-hmm. Burnout to me is um, too much of one thing mm-hmm. in your chemically within your system. Yeah. Um, and then my, and it could mean that you have because you haven't had enough proper rest, enough hours sleep or enough hours rest, restful sleep, that certain markers will come up in your system that will tell you about that. So for me, it's inflammation. Yeah. So I get uh, inflammatory markers come up, and then I, I can feel it, and I know when I'm getting it, and so therefore I know I've got to I've got to 
regiment my rest periods and make sure I rest properly. So I don't, I have suffered burnout because I never used to do those things. Yeah. I now do those things. So I approach my life quite rigid. Mm. It sounds like it's boring, but um, it's actually, I find it quite interesting. I like to read about it. I like to understand what those tests mean. I like yeah. to understand the chemistry of what's working in my system. Yes, yeah. Where do I get, how do I supplement myself? Mm. Um, uh, and it doesn't mean I'm always feel perfect because I don't, but. Um, but you've got I, those boundaries but it's in it's place. a It's a business on myself. Yeah, right. It's not just the business over here for whatever I do, lending money or, you know, yeah. running the mentor business, but it's the business of yourself is pretty important. Yeah, no, you're And you know everything about your business for shoes. Yeah. You know how, where to get the leather from, you know, yeah. where to get the paint leather from, or designers, you know what, you yes. know every step of it. As you said, you deep dive. Well, I think it's important to deep dive in yourself. I agree. Well, and that, and run that program. That program is the most important program. Mm. I'm 65 years of age and, I'll, and, I, and my son, my youngest son is 30 years of age mm -hmm. and I was thinking about him maybe um, in February when he had his birthday, uh, 7th February, and I thought to myself, you know, I want, I'd like to see Jimmy reach my age now. Um, and then I thought, hang on, that's another 35 years. <laughs> For me to live another 35 years, I've got to live to 100. Yeah, right. So I, I'm actually now working on a program as to how I can live to 100. Yeah, good. So, and I, I make I, sure you share that with yeah, the rest of it. Sorry. <laughs> I, I will once I work it out, but I'm, but I'm, but I'm consulting experts, yeah. medical experts, um, uh, biochemical experts, yeah, right. um, about, you know, wearables. There are some wearables that I, I would wear, but I, I actually don't like the look of them, like those rings. I just think they look silly, yeah. but there are other alternatives. So yeah. I'm now doing quite a lot of work on this, yeah. um, to work out and people say, you live your best life, but I, how do I live? to a hundred years of age, you know, and that means that, that doesn't mean I won't get cancer. I mean, all those things can happen, yeah, yeah. but what are the things I need to know about that are precursors? I don't want to go to the doctor when I've already got bowel cancer. Yeah, that's right. And you I don't want to go and get a colonoscopy and he goes, oh, we well, got a fucking pull up there and you've got bowel cancer. No, that's, that's mm. too late. What are the precursors that I need to have as baselines to tell me that I'm getting something or potentially there's something happening yeah. and so I can act now? Yeah, that's right. So in order to live to 100, you have to be that way. That's right. So you've got to sort of future-proof your body yeah. and make that your business. Yeah, that's a good idea. I never thought of it that and way. And that that's sort of my new thing these days. You know, like should I have less uh, uh, animal animal product proteins? My view is yes, mm -hmm. um, but it doesn't mean I don't mean I'm a vegan. But therefore, how do I get enough protein into my system as I get older? So I'm still servicing my body. Yeah. yeah, so how do I get vegetable plant-based proteins? Where do I get these plant-based proteins from mm. and who makes them? And uh, it's got to be taste a certain way, otherwise if it tastes like shit, you won't have it. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, and do I have to make it myself? Do I have to manufacture it myself? I wouldn't even go so far as to manufacture these things myself. I was going to say, why don't you just do that? I reckon there's a no, business well, idea just, right one, there. No, no, I, but I turn everything into a business. Yeah. As I said, my own. You're built that way. Could you ask me the question? And the question is, I even mm. look at my 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 own body yeah. and my own longevity mm. as a business. So I worked out yeah. like the average Australian male lives to the age of 82. On that basis, I've got so many years to go, 26 years to go, 26 years is 52 weeks. That's, you know, 1,100 weeks, mm. weekends because uh, I work Monday to Friday. Yeah. There's a marginal utility between the early weekends and the latter weekends. You know, you're going to spend at least half of those weekends looking after someone else. In my case, I go see my dad every Saturday until mm. the day he passes. And then I've got my grandson, you know, like, so I've worked out mathematically yeah. how much I've got. So once you become aware of that shit, 
Yeah, right. You start to change the way you live. Yeah. And that's how I try. I don't say I always do, but that's yeah. how I try to avoid things like burnout. Yeah. How did that answer your question? It really did. Aren't uh, you glad you asked it? <laughs> I am. No, I am. I think that's I think that's the thing though, right? That's what we're that's what I was getting to. It's about shifting mindset. Um, you know, because I think there's so much happening at the moment in the business. I'm really excited about it. Um, but it, it's been it's been harder because of the situation. Apply that the in. same technique to yourself. Yeah. Put yourself as the business and look after the business. You got the business of yourself is pretty important. Thank you. I hope so. <laughs> Thanks very much, Lana. No, thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. Thanks for listening to The Mentor. Audio and production is by Jess Morley. And production assistance, Jonathan Leondis. The secret to visibly firmer, summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dull, dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Rich yet never greasy, Andaria Algae Body Oil is formulated with sustainably sourced seaweed to help replenish the skin's moisture barrier and seven nourishing active botanical oils for results you can see and feel all over. The best part? It's signature scent. A blend of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. This all-natural scent is unforgettable. Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu dot com code GLOW.